All right. Well, welcome to H2O. Uh, this is an exciting week for us. Uh, we have a not only a heart for the city and the surrounding area of Bowling Green, but obviously the campus as well. So it is great to be together. And if you were with us last week, you know that we uh, launched into the series that we're calling This Is Us. And we're calling the series This Is Us because over the next couple weeks with uh, school starting both at BGSU and in the surrounding areas, the city schools, there are so many new people that are coming in and out of H2O, checking it out to, to get a picture of who we are. And we thought, what better way? to introduce ourselves and just be honest and tell you about the heartbeat of who we are. But not only for those of us who are new, if you are newer, welcome to H2O. It's great to have you here. But not only for those of you who are newer, uh, for those of us who have called this church our home for a while, it's so important for us to get re-envisioned and reminded of who we are as a church and our heartbeat and our DNA. I know I, I literally, it just kind of snuck up on me, um, but this year I've been involved with H2O, maybe even to like the day for 20 years. Isn't that crazy? I know you're like, you don't even look, thanks. You're like, you don't even look old enough. You know, you look like you're only 20, right? Right? Yeah. Okay. So I bet I was thinking about that and I was even just thinking about the heart of this series and, and we're going over these, these verses and these sections of scripture that are so foundational and so important and many of us, we've read them or we've heard them so many different times but the beautiful thing about the Bible is that when we open it, it's like fresh and new every single time. So I'm so excited to jump in today to a passage that we talk about every year. It's a passage that we get our name from at H2O, John chapter 4. And it's probably one of the most common questions that I get as one of the pastors here at H2O is, well, where in the world do you get that name from? It's kind of a, a unique name. And we know that, that naming something is pretty important. We know what you call somebody is, is a pretty powerful thing. For those of us who are parents, uh, think about going back to naming your children for the first time, right? And, and some of us, like, we've known what we we're going to name our kids since we were kids ourselves. But for others of us, it's something that we wrestle with. We have some friends that they actually, I don't know if they're just procrastinators or where they feel like this is just the way it should be done, but they wait until their kids are born for a couple days. And then they, they look at them and they kind of pray about it and then they see what they think their name should be. So they wait until they're born. Maybe they're just procrastinators. I don't know. But if, as you think about that, we know that, that a name is extremely important. It has significance. Uh, even uh, this past week, I was reminded of that. Uh, I hesitate to tell you this story because if you're a cat person, you may dislike me. I'm just going to give that disclaimer up front. But all, all of a sudden, like within the last week, we had this stray cat. I don't know if somebody dropped it off in our neighborhood or what. It looks like pretty well taken care of. But, but some of our neighbors go here. They can attest to this. We had this stray cat that just started coming up to our house and like just wanting to get into our house. I have no clue why. Maybe you're, when you're in ministry, just things that need help are just drawn to you. I don't know. But, but this cat, like there's all these houses in our neighborhood, but it chose our house. And every day it's coming up to our house. Well, I, I, I'm, not, I'm an animal lover. I, I like animals. But, but our lifestyle just doesn't allow for us to have pets. But, of course, we have kids. You know, we have 11-year-old, 9-year-old, uh, and 6-year-old. And so they, of course, they want a cat or a dog. And so they're like, this is divine intervention, Dad. You know, <laughs> this cat is, like, coming up to our house. It's pawing. It's, it's, like, literally trying to get into our door every time we open our door. And so I'm like, you know, you, we're going to leave it outside. We're not letting it inside. It's not a member of the family. You know, but we can give it some water. You know, we're compassionate. 
it. Maybe we'll get it help. Maybe it'll go away. Maybe it's somebody else's and it'll get figured out. Who knows? Um, but I said, here's the main rule. You cannot give this thing a name, right? Because it's not ours. So if you name it, I know that sooner or later it's going to end up in my bed. You know, it's going to end up in my house. So you guys can love this cat. Give it water. No food. But you cannot name it. We know that naming something, it, it signifies something, right? It, it means that, that we have some ownership in it and a part of it. And so that's why for us every year, we start off the year with sharing about where God has brought us as a church. And we're going to look at John chapter 4 together. Uh, it's a passage about a Samaritan woman and Jesus having this interaction that, that every time I read it, it literally re-blows my mind over and over again because it makes me fall more in love with Jesus every time I read this passage because it is astounding the way that he handles this interaction with this woman. And so we're going to pick this passage apart and we're going to learn about Jesus and what type of church he wants us to be and what type of people he wants us to be from looking at John chapter 4 together today. And here's the big idea. It's this. Jesus is the only one who can completely know and fulfill us. Jesus is the only one who can completely know us and fulfill us. And I think that that is a one common theme that every single person in humanity has in common. If we talk about the campus and all these incoming first-year students that are walking back onto campus, and as we were praying about it, even as leaders uh, over the last week, we were talking about this reality that whether you're extremely spiritually interested or not, every single person in this world, we want to be known, don't we? I mean, there's something deep inside of us that wants to be known. And that's why we feel like it's so important to be out there because God can call us to help meet that need. But, but even to get known by another person, it's a wonderful thing. But there's something even, even greater than that, to be known by the God of the universe. And we believe to be known by him and, and to be fulfilled by him is what life is all about. And we firmly believe here at H2O that while there are lots of other things that can give us temporary moments of feeling feeling connected, and there's lots of other things that can give us temporary moments of being, feeling fulfilled. Following and walking with Jesus day in and day out is the only thing that will help us be completely known and completely fulfilled in this world and in this life. And so as we look at this passage, I think we're going to see that come to life together today. So you can open up your Bibles with me into John chapter 4. We're going to look at this passage together. John chapter 4, we'll start in verse 5. We're going to stop a number of different times throughout this passage and, and pull out some of the truths that I think God wants us to learn and to know. John chapter 4, starting in verse 5. Talking about Jesus, it says, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sinarch, near a plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, he said to her, Will you give me a drink? For his disciples had gone into town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. I'm going to stop right there just for a minute because I think it draws us to our first point and our first thing that I want to pull out of this passage, and it's simply this, that Jesus broke barriers. Jesus broke down barriers to show people how deeply he loved them. 
See, to fully understand this passage, we have to do a little bit of work. Uh, we have to try, to try to remember what was going on during that time. And, and during that time, Jews and Samaritans did not like each other at all. They did not get along together at all. There were racial differences between the two groups. There were religious differences between the two groups. What they believed, the way that they acted, what they thought it meant to be a moral person were completely different. And so there was almost this hatred. There was almost this like enemy type reality that was going on between Jews and Samaritans. You add on to the top of that just the sexism that existed 2,000 years ago, right? To have a, a man especially a religious leader man, talk to a woman was almost like forbidden. It was like, what is this religious guy doing talking to this woman? And then beyond that, not just was she a woman, but what we can infer from the passage is she was at this well by herself alone in the middle of the day. Okay, and so typically what would happen is going to the well would have been like this social interaction that a lot of women would have had together. It was something that you would have done in community, but this woman was by herself at this well in the middle of the day. So what we can pick up is that she was a little bit of an outcast. There are probably some things, and we're going to read about what those things are here in a few minutes, that were keeping people from associating with her. And so all of that put together made her reaction make sense. Jesus goes up to her and says, hey, will you help me out? Will you give me a drink of water? And she says, how can you even talk to me? She was expecting him just to kind of walk away or to look at her with a look of judgment or scorn. And instead, Jesus compassionately comes up to her and actually asked her for something, engages with her. Jesus broke down barriers because he loved this woman and he would not let any man-made rules that were put together stop him from showing her how deeply he cared about her. You know, as we think about that reality, and I just think about our world even right now, you know, the state of our world where there's so much division, where there's so much picking sides, and we're like, hey, I have to stay over here with my people. I don't want to interact with people who think differently than me or look different than me. I want to be like Jesus. We want our church to be like Jesus, where we say we will break down walls and barriers to engage with people to show them the love of Christ. Over and over again, as we look at the call that God has given us, we have to say, that's the type of people we want to be because that's the type of God we serve. Now, even this week, as we were praying together, our staff team, we were praying, God, would you bring people in the next few weeks to us that look different than us, that come from different backgrounds than us, that come from different countries, that have even different beliefs. Would you bring them here? Because we want to be a church that is full of diversity and richness. We want our church to look much more like the United Nations or the world than a country club. We have a passion for diversity, for breaking down barriers. Because listen, the gospel is not for one specific set of people. It's not for a group of people that look the same. or act. The gospel is universal. The love of Christ that we should be so ready to give away and empower others with is for every single person. Jesus broke down these barriers to show us how passionate he was about that. Let's jump back into the text. John chapter 4. Let's look at verse 10. Start back up there. And we're going to go all the way to verse 20. He says this. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. H2O, right? Sir, 
the woman said. You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't have to get thirsty and keep coming here to draw water. She was totally missing what he was saying. He was talking about something spiritual. She thought he was still on the physical, right? Verse 16, he told her, Well, then go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. Check out this response. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Did you catch what the woman did there? She tried to distract him. Jesus looks at this woman, and it's all in love. He's telling her, hey, um, go get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He's, you're right. You've had five of them, and you're shacking up with another guy right now. She says, oh, yeah, well, what mountain should we worship on? You know? <laughs> The art of distraction. My kids shout out, hey, it's bedtime. Oh, but I got to tell you this story about what happened at school, you know. It's bedtime. Oh, can I have a snack? That's something that all of us, if you were in high school, you, you, you understood that reality. When you're about to get in trouble, you try to distract the authority figure over top of you. This woman maybe created that strategy, okay? <laughs> Jesus is looking at her with compassion and calling her out, and she goes to this very religious debate that would have been a pretty hot-button issue that she was trying to get Jesus to wrap his mind around. She's trying to take the attention off of herself so that Jesus didn't get into a squishy spot in her life. And, and I wonder, again, if that's something that, that some of us have done. I wonder if that's even something that some of us are doing even right now, have you ever noticed that it's much more comfortable, much easier to discuss religion or to discuss ideas or to discuss rules or to discuss laws than to deal with your own heart and to deal with your own sin? I know as I think about that, I can feel convicted because it's so tempting. And oftentimes the people that would consider themselves or we would look at them and say, that person is an extremely religious person. They're the people that have really strong opinions on things and like to debate things a lot. And it makes me wonder a question, what are you hiding behind? Are, are you like this woman at the, the well that Jesus wants to get in there and help us change and bring us freedom, but we're hiding behind something? Maybe it's a philosophical debate, maybe it's a religious question, or maybe it's something else. But as we think about that, do you find yourself in the situation that this woman at the well found herself in? See, the second thing I think this passage can teach us is this. If we want change, then we need to confront our own sin and confront our own hearts. 
You know, when you think about it as a society, that, that phrase that oftentimes gets thrown out there, you know, maybe even flippantly, but change starts with us. I think within the church especially, if we want to see change, if we want to see God work in our churches and in our life and in our nation and in our city and on our campus and in this region, then change starts with us. Looking inwardly and saying, God, what do you want to get a hold of in my life? I haven't handed over to you quite yet. That's what Jesus did with this woman. And I think that's what Jesus wants to do with us. Let's jump back in. John chapter 4, verse 21. Pick up in verse 21. It says this. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is Spirit. And his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman says this, I know that the Messiah, called the Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Do you ever notice that like, it's pretty important when you're in a conversation to actually know who you're talking to? Like, to know, like, what they're all about. I, I was coaching the soccer tournament this weekend, uh, the crazy one over on campus during move-in weekend, you know, when we invite 6,000 other people into our town, and it's madness. I was coaching my, uh, my youngest son um, uh, on the soccer field, and it was yesterday, and we started the game, and then that massive storm blew through. And so we were about halfway through the game. Uh, the storm blows through, so we all go take shelter over at the football stadium. And it's our first game of the season, so I don't know a lot of the parents. We're just kind of getting connected. And, um, and, and I'm not, like, overly competitive. At least I don't think. You can call me out. Anybody who sees me out there, you can, you can tell me if you think. But I like to win. I like to compete. That's what sports are all about, right? And so we're standing underneath the, the football stadium, and our team was actually dominating the game. I'm not being biased. Our team was actually dominating the game, but we were losing one to nothing because they, they happened to get a breakaway goal and they scored. And so we were definitely the better team, but we were losing one to nothing. And it was only like 10 minutes into the game. All that to tell you, we're standing underneath the stadium. And uh, I thought this guy comes up to me. I thought for sure he's one of the parents on our team. And he says, hey, you know, you're, you're uh, a coach. Maybe you'll know what's going on with the weather. I said, oh, I don't know. And then he says, well, it's a pretty evenly matched game. And I go, yeah, not really. You know, we're, we're like, I mean, yeah, they're, they're good and stuff. But, like, I was trying to be respectful. I wasn't ripping them. But I'm like, we're dominating the game. Just give it time. If we get the rest of this game, we're totally going to win. You know, it's no problem. And, uh, and then I looked down. I realized he was the other coach. He wasn't a parent. And so I'm sitting here talking to him like, not being mean or anything, but I'm ripping on his team. I wouldn't have said it. I was speaking truth, but I wasn't doing it very, you know, discreetly at all. And, uh, and he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I realized what I'm doing. I'm like, but you guys are doing great too. And uh, I mean, it's going to be pretty close probably, you know, and I totally had to backtrack. You ever notice that like, it's pretty important to know who you're talking to. This woman had no clue who she was talking to. She had no clue that she is talking 
to the God of the universe here. She's asking questions about the physical water. She's trying to figure out, what, she's trying to figure out how does this guy know what I've done? How does he know my past? What's he going to say to me? What's he going to do to me? And so Jesus comes right out. She says, hey, I think someday a Messiah is going to come. That's what these Jewish people are saying. He's like, yeah, you're talking to him right now. I who speak to you am he. You had to imagine like my reaction to this coach, her reaction. Can't you imagine how big her eyes had to get? Oh, that's why you knew all that stuff. Oh, okay. Well, man, he still loves me. He's still talking to me. He's still engaging with me. Maybe this Messiah is a little different than I thought he would be. See, the most important question any human can ever answer is who is Jesus. We believe that here wholeheartedly at H2O. The most important question you can answer in your entire life is who is Jesus Christ? As you look at our world, the world is revolved around that question. Who is Jesus? And as this woman was starting to interact with him, and she was starting to see his compassion, and she was starting to see his love, and she was starting to see that he certainly was not just a normal human. As he confesses to her, I am that Messiah, we're going to get to see her reaction. And, and one of the things that we talk about here a lot at H2O, it's kind of our third point is this, that Jesus was completely challenging and completely inviting. As we look at this interaction with Jesus and this Samaritan woman, it gives us, again, a perfect model for us as a church as to how we want to be. The culture, the DNA that we want to have as a church, the culture, the DNA that we want to have as a network. These 12 flags are the, the churches that we planted as the H2O network. And the network and the church that we want to have and the culture that we want to give off is we want to be a church that is completely inviting and yet completely challenging as well. You see, what that means is that we will do anything to let people know that they're welcome, that they're loved. If you're different than us, if you believe different than us, you are welcome here. And there's nothing that you have done that would want to make us keep you outside these doors and not be welcome into our family. That's the way that Jesus lived his life, completely welcoming. That's why we work so hard to make sure that people know that we're here and that we value them and that we care about them because Jesus does. And yet at the same time, it doesn't stop there. Because sadly, sometimes that's what happens. Sometimes uh, places go, you, you go to a certain place and, and it's like they're completely inviting, but there's no challenge at all. So we want to be completely welcoming, but we also want to say that Jesus set a standard. Jesus called out sin. See, Jesus loved this woman so much that he didn't just look at her and say, hey, um, you know, it's okay, don't worry, just keep doing what you're doing. It's all going to be okay. No, Jesus said, listen, I want you to know that I care for you. I care for you so much that I want you to have freedom from the situation that you keep putting yourself in. The fact that you keep running to these relationships that are leaving you empty over and over again. Yeah, you want to be known. Yeah, you want to feel fulfilled, but you're running to the wrong places. And so Jesus called her out on this. Completely inviting, engaging with her, but challenging as well. And, and as we're in this This Is Us series, if you're looking for a church that just says everything is okay, 
and that will never confront sin or never confront the reality of the brokenness of our world, that is something that we will continually do because that's what Jesus did. And we pattern our church on what Jesus did and how he spoke. But we want to clothe it in love and grace and compassion. Completely welcoming and yet challenging from the standpoint of bringing freedom and grace into this world. See, I think the whole heart of this passage as the original hearers probably were reading it. They were thinking, yeah, that woman, she's so much different than me. I'm really interested in how Jesus interacted with her. But I think as we come to this passage, I want to ask you the question, are we really that different than her? Are we really that different than this Samaritan woman? She wanted to be known and she wanted fulfillment, but she was running to the wrong places. And again, I just wonder how many of us find ourselves or at least tempted to be in the same situation. Maybe it's the exact same thing as her. Maybe you're running from relationship to relationship to look there, to, to be known, to, to look for this fulfillment that you're deeply longing for, but maybe it's something else. And you say, I can't relate to her exactly. Well, maybe it's success. Maybe you're trying to find yourself where you're continually just like, if I can reach this next pinnacle of my career, if I can accomplish this task, then I'll completely be known and fulfilled and loved. Maybe as you, you think about it, you find yourself in this position where you're continually bouncing around over and over again, looking for more. And I think the answer that Jesus would give to each and every one of us as we sit here today is the exact thing that he would say to this woman. Anyone who runs to the well of fill in the blank. Anyone who runs to, to the well of relationships. Anyone who runs to the well of materialism. Anyone who runs to the well of success. Anyone who runs to any of these wells will be thirsty again. But me, I will give you water that brings eternal life. See, she was thirsty, but she was running to the wrong well. And we have to guard our hearts from finding ourselves in the exact same situation as her. I want to just close with this. Let's jump down to verse 39. Because, again, this is a huge heart of our church here at H2O. Jump down to verse 39. What we can infer is that this woman encountered Jesus. She was so changed by the experience that she went back to her town. And in verse 39, it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Wow, isn't that beautiful? As you think about that, this last thing we want you to know is changed people change people. Change people change people. When you have an experience and an encounter with God like this woman had at the well, it's something that you can't keep to yourself. It's something that has to be given away. And isn't it amazing to think that this woman, who wasn't just an outcast from other Jewish people, she was an outcast from her own people, most likely. Remember, she was at the well by herself in the middle of the day. She went back to her town, and she started telling people about him. 
Even this woman of low stature and low status in that world and in that society had this impact on this whole town because she encountered Jesus. You know, at HGO, we talk about like these methods of how to, to talk to people about Jesus, and we have trainings, and, and most churches do, and all those things are really important, and we should learn how to, how to skillfully share with people about Jesus. But you know what really matters? You know what really matters even more than how skillfully we do it? It really matters if we've been touched by him, if we've encountered him. Because if we've encountered him, it will overflow out of us, and people will see it. And people will be able to taste it and they'll know that there's something different. Not just because of the wise and persuasive words, but because we're so confident that Jesus is real and he's changed us. Because changed people, they share the love of Christ with others. I love how it ends that passage. We not only believe, we no longer believe for ourselves, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. That's our hope. That's our prayer at H2O is that we are faithful to tell people about Christ and then they get to know for themselves. They get to experience him. They get to see him lived out in community. That He's real to them. And our job is just to surround them and love them and point them towards him over and over again. What a beautiful picture. Now, as we think about our church, as we think about our heart, we want to be a church that continually points people to the only one who can completely know us and completely fulfill us. So let's pray. Let's ask God that he would do that even now and that he would continue to do that in the future.